once more with podcast. Hello! Hello! We're back! <laughs> we're back! <laughs> la la la, but we're, uh, we're Skyping again. Yeah, we're not together. I'm back in the UK and talking. I'm outside of Athena's window and she <laughs> doesn't really know it yet. Oh, you're the person with the binoculars! <laughs> Hi! Hi! <laughs> That's me! <laughs> well, technically, I did invite you over, I just didn't think that it would be so soon. <laughs> well, you know me, I like to be close, but have my distance as well, so I just figured I'd sit out here in the bushes. <laughs> nice. So you, you know, if you, if you want to come in, then fine. Don't feel like you need to sit out in the bushes. That's. I feel like I'm being a rude host, like making you sit in the bushes, even though I didn't actually know you were out there. But I like it this way. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, if you need so, anything, then let me know. Uh, just a little intro. I have a fun story here, or not so super fun. But is it about me? Uh, Look, yes. we, we said whatever happens in Sweden stays in Sweden. So, just so you know, not everything is about you, Athena. <laughs> oh, that's me. I'm Athena. Hi. Even though you keep popping up in like every book I read, um, and she's she's talky. She's just being rude and not introducing herself. Oh, I thought I did that. Did you? Anyway, okay, anyway. <laughs> maybe I didn't. Uh, Carry on. Uh, as Athena knows, uh, I was out to a celebration last night and I wore makeup. And then when I came home, I very rarely wear makeup. Then when I came home, I'm like, oh, it's really important that you remove the makeup. And then I had gotten from like a friend a makeup remover that I used to <laughs> remove said makeup. The thing is, I'm like a person with a lot of allergies and I have like really sensitive skin and I didn't read the ingredient tag and it turns out it was like some kind of nut oil in it and I'm like allergic to nuts. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> the great part of this is that both of like the sensitive skin on my cheekbones is inflamed. So I have like very red cheekbones right now. Uh, and the left side reacted a lot more than the right side, and it's swollen up, and it's shiny. So 50% of my face right now looks like I have James Marsters cheekbones, and the other 50% of my face does not. Uh, I'd really like to see a picture. <laughs> oh, no. so I look beautiful right now. <laughs> so just so you know, I'm like 50% spiked this episode, and 50% definitely not. <laughs> Adam or Dark Willow? <laughs> I would say I'm Dark Willow because I have kind of a veiny forehead. Nice. <laughs> and you know, but my hair is starting to turn black. I don't, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh, it's all those spells that we cast. It's nothing. Oh yeah, we really should start being more careful about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually know that before we started. <laughs> so okay, that's that's interesting. Well, I haven't really got anything to kind of counter that with other than I'm wearing glasses right now and not contact lenses. So I also look a bit different. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> We're the same! <laughs> so totally the same. So yeah, we are once again in different countries. But, you know, still planning a quality episode today for sure. I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. We've got a lot to discuss. When you say it like that, it sounds kind of insincere. I'm 
never insincere. <laughs> I am never insincere. I'm never insincere. Oh, I uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how I say it. It's. <laughs> I just come across because as it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, we obviously. I'm pretty sure that most people kind of know what we're planning to do. We're planning to talk about the big bads and all Indeed. all of the big bads. We have had a poll on the boards for the past week, which is not long closed to find out what the general sort of board consensus is on the big bad, on the best one, uh, so to speak. And just on the byline, because I did want to mention it, and we are pretty rubbish at actually planning these podcasts. I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> if you're not, then you will be now. But um, <laughs> we have actually set up um, an Instagram account. And, uh, yeah, completely loving the the whole sort of social media thing and Sort of all of the fans on Instagram are very dedicated and pretty cool. Um, so we set up an Instagram and post random sort of snippets, little tidbits about what we're doing. Uh, we put a photo on there of us in our official Once More With podcast T-shirts. There's uh, definitely a short video of Buffy in the best slow-mo running coat ever, the blue one from Becoming, which, oh, let's face it, it, if any of us is ever going to run in slow motion, I want that coat. <laughs> Just so I can or, run in slow motion. Well, either that or a Baywatch swimsuit. I mean, <laughs> you could have either and, and run in slow motion and look pretty darn good, I think. You know, I think I'm going to stick with the coat and just hand over the swimsuit to you. You do the beach run, I do the coat run. Do you know what? Fun fact uh, about Athena. I had a friend. <laughs> a friend named Athena? <laughs> no. 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 I made it sound like really like weird, like I had a friend. No, I did. I, I had a friend that I used to work with years ago. And uh, we used to go to the cinema together. We used to have like these little cinema days. Uh, a girlfriend, by the way, not a, a man friend, a girlfriend. And when we used to, we used to park up um, outside the cinema and we used to park like right at the top of the car park, like miles away from the cinema. And we actually used to do a Baywatch run to the cinema. It's really embarrassing, actually. I don't even know why I'm admitting <laughs> this. But we used to do the whole slow motion running to the cinema. I don't know why. I don't even know why I'm mentioning it. I don't know why we did it. It's just something that we did. I'm uh, hoping <laughs> you were age 20 or under. Uh, maybe a bit older. Because <laughs> I feel like 20 and under, it's uh, perfectly excusable. Because uh, one is kind of ridiculous and gets dumb ideas at that age. <laughs> 20 and above. <laughs> I'm going to say... <laughs> 25. <laughs> I'm going to say 29. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, probably about 25. But And now again, listeners, I remember, really whenever, sure. <laughs> remember when anybody says, like, asking for a friend or a friend that does this, it usually means that person did it. And I now just want you to have the visual of Athena running, slow-mo running, <laughs> Beach Baywatch style to the cinema on her own. <laughs> no, genuinely, I'm uh, genuinely. I had a friend. It wasn't me. I didn't do it on my own. <laughs> I did it with a friend. I'm pretty sure it was her idea, although I can't really remember. It was probably a joint idea. But we used to do the slow motion run, and we used to do like a slow motion hair flick as well. <laughs> it's kind of 
I don't know if it makes it worse or better to do the slow motion hair. I'm going to say it makes it better because at least you're committing to it. You know? <laughs> if, you, if you're going to do it, do it right. Well, you know, you know me. When I commit to something, you know, I do the whole thing, you know. If I commit <laughs> to doing a, a podcast, then I will do that podcast and I will give it my sometimes all. <laughs> <laughs> My time all, that's right. <laughs> and if I commit to running to the cinema and doing it slow motion Baywatch style, I will do that hair flick at the end because I am committed. Do you know who else is committed? committed. <laughs> do you know who else is committed? Uh, a big bat? Big, yes, the big bat. <laughs> and that is an excellent segue into, uh, into what and we're going to talk about. A few of them also should probably be committed. A few of them would look good in a Baywatch swimsuit. <laughs> well, a few of them would. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine Glory would would rock the uh, red Baywatch swimsuit. I've got oh, I, w- I was obviously it. talking about the master. Uh, uh, <laughs> Get I'm that sure. image out of your head. <laughs> um, maybe, you know, David Hasselhoff would like that role at some point in the near future. You know, but just picture him doing the hair flick with his bald head. <laughs> That's the song from Baywatch. I wasn't saying I'll be ready to flick my hair because... If they didn't know that I'll be ready was the song for Baywatch, then either they were so old they watched the Baywatch with the original theme song that wasn't I'll be ready, or they're so young that go watch Baywatch. You don't know what you've missed. (laughs) It's a cultural treasure. (laughs) Baywatch. (laughs) I think Baywatch was one of those things that it was... So big. I remember. Oh, me and my sister was so desperate to watch Baywatch. Yeah, we were obsessed with it and we loved it. And now, if you watch it, you're like, what is this? (laughs) How is this TV? I must admit, I've I've not seen the movie that they've just recently done. Oh, God, Um, no, me either. But a couple of years ago, my sister got me a couple of Baywatch DVDs and we watched them together to kind of go, like, let's relive our youth. And we were like, yeah, this is horribly bad <laughs> oh damn it i was gonna buy you those for christmas <laughs> do not bother <laughs> i'm just gonna turn up at your door just holding a red swimsuit with a, a basket of dvds going these are for you swimsuits for me <laughs> and then just flicking my hair and slow-mo running away you realize we had a perfect segue into the bad guys and then we ended up here on baywatch again oh. <laughs> uh, we're, well, there were bad guys on Baywatch. So anyway, let's talk about bad guys. Yes. <laughs> let's so, do it. So do you want to start with telling us who won the poll? Or I do you want to start by telling us how much Glory was crushed in the poll? Oh, Glory, <laughs> Glory wasn't crushed. Uh, Glory came a very respectable second, which, you know. With how many points? Uh, well, with 10 votes. Oh, well, that's not bad. Shall I go from, like, the least to the most? I think that's fair. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, uh, coming in in last place, which is very unfortunate, actually, and it not not expected at all. And well, I regretted not casting my vote for this one. Well, you know, you snooze, you lose. If you wanted to vote for him, then you should have voted. You can't, well, you can't not vote and then complain that he had no votes. <laughs> Bugger off, Athena. <laughs> Stop using British curse words at me. I've told you about this. 
That's how you do for uh, international uh, audiences. That's why they never, you know, censored those on Buffy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, that's all we do in Britain. We just walk around going, bugger off, bugger off, bugger off. <laughs> that is, that is just the, the general language here. But anyway, so uh, in that place, which is unfortunate, was the master. Yes, one of my favourites. No votes. No one voted for the master. Which is... I voted for him in my heart. <laughs> It counts. It counts. The master was the only one. I mean, I suppose you could argue that, you know, eventually Buffy did die in season five, but the master was the only one who actually killed her. Yeah. He was the most successful bad guy in that sense. I mean, if it hadn't been for Sander, he would have been the, you know, he would have, she would have been dead. Yeah. So, Uh, you know, it's just... Bad luck for him that she had human friends who were willing to help out. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, he was pretty successful because, you know, he, um, she, you know, made sure she heard that prophecy, got the annoying one and everything with ah. the prophecy, and she fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. And, I mean, come on, that moment, I mean, her whole heartbreak over not wanting to die and then his whole, you know, you didn't have to come speech to her right before he kills her. That's an emotional gut punch, mm. especially for a first season. You know, that's a very powerful villain versus heroine moment. Yeah. And arguably, had we not had the master in season one, maybe we would never have had a season two. He was such a good villain. You know, yeah. he was he was scary and, you know, he had a purpose and he was going to go through with with his plans. Kind of. He, he wasn't going to be stopped. And I mean, the thing is, because the thing I have a problem with, with certain other bad guys that you like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but like both Glory and the first uh, and the master, they're very talky, like chatty bad guys. Like most of what they do is just talking about how bad they are. But at least with, like, the master, you have, like, the excuse that he is trapped in the underworld. So he literally can't get out so at least that was kind of a valid excuse as for why he was constantly only talking and not going after her because he literally couldn't yeah so in a sense like story-wise logic speaking that also works in his favor but yeah so i'm sad that he didn't get any votes and i should have voted for him yeah it is unfortunate but um but anyway, let's move on. Moving quickly on um, to uh, well, we have a, a three-way tie with with the Ooh, one a vote. Three-way, <laughs> three-way <laughs> with uh, with one vote. So we have Adam who had one vote. We mm-hmm. have Dark Willow who also mm-hmm. had one vote, and the First Evil who mm. had one vote. That's a three-way I don't want to be invited to. Mm, well. <laughs> Well, let's be honest, you've got a guy mixed with loads of random demons, so... That's Frankenmonster. Yeah, essentially Frankenstein. You've got probably the most powerful witch in the world who's gone all dark. I'm going to uh, say and... I'm gonna say the most unhinged witch in the world. Oh, yes. Whether she's yeah. the most powerful, I would say, is probably up for debate. Well, we don't know anyone more powerful than her, do we? Yeah, but that's like saying that Starbucks or Starbucks Sunnydale is the only Hellmouth. We know it's not the only Hellmouth. We don't know what's going on elsewhere, you know. 
Yeah, but other Hellmouths are mentioned, so we do know that there are others, but no no more powerful witches. And if she was so powerful, then Giles says slow magic trick shouldn't have worked on her. Well, she obviously had a lot of power. Maybe some of the power was unharnessed or she hadn't managed to kind of tap into it. But I do think that, you know, as powerful witches go, I mean, maybe she wasn't the Beyonce of uh, powerful <laughs> witches, but, you know, maybe she was the... I'm going to say she was... Maybe she was the Kelly Rowland of powerful witches, you know? I was going to say she was the Katy Perry of powerful witches. Well, I was going to say <laughs> Katy Perry, but then I thought, well, Katy Perry, is is she on a par with Beyonce? Well, think? as far as I know, Katy Perry is like, because I recently... <laughs> The only reason I noticed is because they read a tabloid yesterday. Um, but she's apparently one of the only pop artists, except for Michael Jackson, who's had like five number one singles from the same album. So uh, I think she's pretty uh, powerful or rich or popular or whatever you want to say, like in terms of pop music. Yeah, but comparing her to Beyonce, though, I would say Beyonce... I don't know. You I need to know. stop worship, worshipping Beyonce. That's the whole crux of the thing. Beyonce in every <laughs> single podcast because it's quickly turning well, into the, the Beyonce board podcast. Well, that, that's because you're obsessed with Beyonce. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with Beyonce. I mean, you know, I only try and visit her house like once a month. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that's an obsession. I would just say that I like her a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, as long as you're, you're not, like, stealing underwear, I guess it's okay. Well, at least I'm not outside the, a house in some bushes, you know, and, like, some people we know. I mean, weird. I'm just uh, waiting for the cat to come out. I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> no, the, the diva cat is, uh, well, to be honest, I don't know where she is because I've shut her out of this room because I didn't want her to disturb the podcast again because <laughs> she does have a habit of shouting at me. Uh, because Either I don't way. give her enough attention. Um, anyway, what? Anyway, we were at okay. Adam, Dark Willow, Dark Willow, and the first have a shared and, yeah. spot with one vote yeah. each. Yeah. And um, I really, really need to hear the motivation for whoever voted for the first. Well, <laughs> I know who voted for the first because they admitted <laughs> that they voted for the first. Poor um, shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, so yeah, we're going to shout out to Blair, who admitted that... Uh, who, the coincidentally, coincidentally, might be the real Blair Witch. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> might be more powerful than Dark Willow, to say. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't think I want to find out. I've got to be honest. But yeah, anyway, maybe so, we should stri- strike this out <laughs> so she doesn't come after us. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, really remove that. Um, so she says, she says, at first I wanted to say Glory. She was my favourite big bad. But who was Buffy's ultimate big bad? She said, I'd argue that the first was. Talk about an easy way to mess with someone, to pose as a dead person, to spy on the Scoobies with such ease, convincing people to kill themselves and throw them off balance. Plus his army of uber vamps and Caleb. Caleb was one creepy guy, not to mention how strong the first was, giving some of his powers to Caleb. She uh, adds, I mean, Buffy struggled like hell to do any damage to Glory, but without the scythe, she wouldn't have been able to defeat Caleb. Not only did she need the Scoobies, but every hand on deck she could find. Buffy didn't defeat Glory, Giles did. Buffy prevented the end of the world in Season 5, and in Season 7 it was Spike who wiped everyone out, but Caleb was one tough guy. Oh, that's my phone going off. Ever so sorry about that. <laughs> so, and she's put, I'm surprised I've been the only one to vote for the first. Uh, I mean, 
It's a fair motivation, but mostly I feel like all the first did was talk. None of all the, I mean, the thing is that it was a great idea in theory. And I remember seeing like the first episode of season seven and, you know, the end when they have like all the former big bads, like whispering in like Spike's ear um, or talking to him. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is going to be like an amazing season because, they're going to be able to bring back all these old characters and like it's going to be really scary but most of it it's just the first talking about being like i'm the first evil you're dirty girls i'm the first evil you're dirty girls i'm gonna look like buffy because we can't afford any other actors uh so it was just totally lame like it did nothing like caleb was fairly uh, scary, but it was, yeah. he was scary because he was a misogynist. He wasn't scary because he was affiliated with the first. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I just felt like the first was a giant failure because it was like, they didn't really do anything with it except having a talk about how big and bad it was. Yeah, I think that as far as villains go, I mean, I would never sort of consider the first up there as, well, as being anything other than completely lame. I never found the first to be scary or, you know, any any in any way, shape or form, a threat. I think if the first evil had been able to take some sort of corporeal form yeah. in some way, then in my mind, a threat of physical violence is scarier than... I couldn't understand the, the, where they were trying to go with it. They were trying to go with some sort of psychological torture in that, you know, this person can be any dead person. Yeah. Um, which, again, but it was like... it's kind of a bit like, I don't, I don't... If it can be any dead person, then surely you know that it's the first because they're dead. Yeah. But and also... It could be Buffy. But then technically Buffy did die, so... But also, like, why didn't it parade around as Buffy among, like, the potentials and stuff and the Scoobies more and, like, wreck havoc with her group and stuff like that? Like, why did yeah, it like just turn, appear, like... Turn Buffy... them against her. And... Yeah, instead it just, like, walked around like Buffy for Caleb and it acted like a potential and, like, told others to kill themselves. But that was barely effectual. It was just sitting there like a bratty teenage girl's question, girl questioning Buffy. And I'm like, ooh, the psychological torture is intense. Ooh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, feel like... It, it wasn't real psychological torture. It was just no, and someone I mean, kind is, of going, no, 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 no. Exactly. And I'm like, I feel like yeah. if... If this had been, like, season two, like, peak Joss Whedon, I feel like, or season one even, he would have been braver. And I think that what would have made the first a decent villain would have been actually if he had killed Giles. And it did turn out that Giles was a manifestation of the first. Because then it would have been super <laughs> personal. And it would yeah. have been like, oh, my God, it's Giles. Or or if it had somebody, somehow taken, like, over Giles or something. Because Giles yeah. has been away. And then... If Giles came back and was either, like, dead and the first was just parading around as it, that would have been horrible for all of the Scoobies. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you know what? I had that in my head because that's the one thing that really bugs me is that misdirect with Giles. <laughs> because the show makes you think that Giles is dead uh, yes. and that Giles is the first. 
And it, it makes you think that, only to then misdirect you and, oh, no, it is actually really Giles, which it, it makes no sense. No, and then it's Giles like... would act like that. For know? me, this is where the show... Obviously, I don't really like the last seasons, and the, this is par- partly why. It's because it has become the show where no one can die. Uh, like you yeah. can't kill off anybody anymore because they just want, love these characters so much, but they love the characters more than the story. So it just turns really ridiculous. Yeah. It, and like, and again, it, it's, it's emotionally inefficient. Yeah. Because I know we, we obviously talked a couple of episodes ago about get it done, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously, which was voted like during the worst <laughs> episode of, of Buffy or according to people on the board. And, you know, we both agreed it was a really terrible episode. But obviously one of the things that happens in that episode is you have the suicide of a potential. Yeah. Which is obviously the first exuding some sort of threat. I don't know. You know. Uh, by yeah. basically saying, you know, I can, I can make someone commit suicide. But it's only going to be this potential that you've only seen, like, in two scenes and you don't remember her name and she's completely nobody. Like, if it had actually... I mean, they, they do brush over the whole suicide thing and I think they do that just because they don't have time to dwell on it. But if it had actually been someone of some importance to the group, that would have been just so much more effective yeah. in the viewer believing that the first was actually a decent villain. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, you know, that part, uh, I've never really liked that scene, but I didn't, since I don't watch season seven a lot, I guess I don't dwell on it, but for me, the first, and the, the whole thing is just failure. It was a kind of a great concept, and like the last five minutes of lessons shows us that there was something in there that was a good idea, but for budget or writing or whatever reason it turned out into like this hopeless crappy mess (laughs) (laughs) so so basically from this we just need to say blair we do love you (laughs) yes and we we just don't necessarily agree with you (laughs) we respect your opinion and please please don't trap us in the woods uh (laughs) or hunt us as we're making a documentary about you please don't do that but um yeah i'm gonna have to disagree on the first <laughs> yeah and i mean I'm, I'm also a bit surprised that i'm not surprised that adam didn't get very much because let's face it it's it's adam i'm actually uh, a little bit surprised because i think that adam is a pretty decent villain because he's he's pretty proactive he keeps doing things and it's like i think I think maybe it was Priceless who mentioned that in that thread, that there's a scene uh, in when Adam first escapes. Yeah, Adam and he in the meets, woods. Yeah, and he meets, like, the a little boy. boy in the woods. Yeah. And then, obviously, they don't show him dissecting the boy, but the Scoobies find the boy dissected. And, it's, I mean, that's truly chilling. Yeah, it is. I mean, that particular scene is, you know, it's it's scary. And I also feel uh, like when wrong, he but... when he kills Maggie Walsh, I think that's effective. And when he fights with Buffy, and I mean, he gets... Doesn't he call her mother or mummy or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's weird. But, um, and Maggie Walsh is one of the bad, big bads, or was supposed to be a big bad, but she definitely should have been committed, just saying. Um, <laughs> 
But, yeah, I mean, Adam keeps doing stuff all the time. And, I mean, even he is smart enough to use Spike to, like, get Buffy away from her friends. Like, not even the first thought to do that. So, I mean, Adam is smarter than the first evil. Adam has a lot of, uh, excuse the term, but a lot of potential, I think, to be a better big bad than he ultimately was. I mean, the idea, and I think the concept of Adam is great, because there are a lot of demons in the world. And the initiative, obviously, well, maybe not the initiative as a whole, but Maggie Walsh definitely has this idea of creating a being from all of these different demons uh, and creating like an uber demon, so to speak. And I think the concept of Adam is great, but I think the execution of Adam is where it lets itself down. I don't necessarily think it's an issue with the guy who's playing Adam because we don't really get to see him... I don't know, we just don't really... I, I feel like we don't get to see him do very much. I feel like towards the end of the season, he's obviously quite active in, in trying to, like you say, trying to split up uh, the Scoobies, involving Spike in his plan. But I don't know, I just... I never kind of felt that Adam was any sort of threat. I always felt that Buffy takes these demons down all the time. There's nothing about Adam but, I mean, that she, Buffy can't take on. Well, clearly there was, because she needed to merge <laughs> with the other Scoobies to take him down. She couldn't take him down on her own. She literally had to become a, a freaky slayer foursome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... So, I mean, isn't it's, that the way that everyone does it? <laughs> so, again, like, he's the first unconquerable, well, the, the mayor was also hard, but, I mean, like, he, I definitely think that, you know, she, he was not a demon she could just take down, and, yeah, I, I I really like Adam, I think that a lot of people have a problem with it, because they don't like the initiative, but I, I actually really like the whole, you know, Dr. Frankenstein thing, parallel, uh, yeah, like I said, Adam being I like the concept. A, like, uh, the, the only thing I would say I don't like about Adam is, like, Adam starting to create zombies. Like, when he starts making, like, the forest and Maggie Wash yeah. zombie. Like, I don't really understand what that was about. That wasn't really scary. That was just really dumb that he was, like, creating more people or demon hybrids like him. I don't know. Mm. I, I I didn't quite see the purpose in that, and I'm not sure why he would be doing that. Because um, it's like... To have a little family? Well, I mean, like, <laughs> Frankenstein wants a mate so that he can... Or yeah. Frankenstein's monster uh, wants a mate so that he could go off and live alone with her because he doesn't want to be yeah. alone. But, I mean, this is a guy starting to create, like, a weird demon family. I don't know. That part just didn't work for me. But uh, otherwise, I think Adam is a great villain, actually. He's uh, in my top four. Your top four? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. He ranks above the red one. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I know we. I know, like your plan is to generally disagree with me on every every corner. No, he, he like ranks do, above but... uh, glory because Adam again is proactive. He does stuff. He is a real threat. Glory's a real threat. No. <laughs> Don't you be dissing my glory. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll come to glory later. Yeah, so Adam, the first evil. We haven't really talked much about Dark Willow. Well, because I guess she has like three episodes, so there's not super much to say. <laughs> no, and 
I did kind of um and ah a little bit about including her in the poll because I know that Joss Whedon has himself kind of claimed that the real big bad of season six is life. Um, bullshit. Well, yeah, I'm a little <laughs> bit like, no, I kind, I kind of get where you're coming from, but no. Um, I think so, I say that's the theme of season five. I say that's the theme of the whole of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, stop. He's like, life. <laughs> um, but yeah, so season six does have two big bads technically in the poll because it has the Geek Trio and Dark Willow. Does that mean that the Geek got more than uh, one vote? Yeah, the Geek Trio got two votes. Ooh. (laughs) And I I do actually uh, recall the person who voted for the Geek Trio as well, I believe. And I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm going to actually just scroll down and find... uh, I think it was Priceless. (laughs) I think it might have been Priceless. Yeah. She wanted wanted to vote vote for Warren. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So thanks, Priceless, for the vote for the Geek Trio. I'm sure that, you know, when they take over the world, that your life will be spared. Uh, you'll probably get turned into the Priceless bot or something. Uh, we, we can't really guarantee. But, yeah. I was um, going to say, but Warren's already dead. And then I remember he li- he lives on as, like, steak tartare or whatever in the comics. Yeah, I had heard that he was... He's come, he's come back to life. Spoiler! Yeah, I didn't even read the comics, and, and I know that he's come back to life, so... Yeah, that's because you uh, read spoilers. I do. I do read a lot of spoilers. I I try not to, but I'm not really bothered by uh, Buffy comic spoilers anyway, so... Uh, but, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> no one else in the world is either, so, you know, I've just told everyone. So, yeah, as far as the poll's concerned, you had, we had two antagonists for season six, and, obviously, the whole Dark Willow comes about in the first place because of... Warren. Yeah, so they're uh, kind of interconnected. In a sense, yeah, it shows so, that the trio were a pretty ineffectual big bad because they can't even be, you know... I mean, they they weren't even good enough to have in the last episodes, which, as we all know, are the biggest episodes. Yeah, but they were good enough to have one more vote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing I was... Think, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I I think Dark Willow is great i think dark willow is great to a point uh yeah i was just gonna i was just trying to like elaborate with my butt (laughs) (laughs) because i mean the thing is like the whole whole that's that's different Um, death of Terra, shocking the turn of willow uh very effective very uh horrible like when she you know, soaks up all the magic books and, you know, that awesome, cool transformation. She turns all black. Yeah. Really great. Uh, getting the bullet out of Buffy, chasing Warren, all of that stuff. I think Dark Willow is amazing up to the point where she slays Warren. Uh, and I, I I will not apologize for the fact that I find her playing of Warren very satisfying. <laughs> Satisfactory. I'm like, yes! Because <laughs> it's horrible. It is horrible. But it's also like, finally, a villain who does something, you know? Because, uh, again, it makes her a real threat. Then that's the moment where she's not Willow anymore. But then yeah, because after as, that... As we know in the Buffyverse, as soon as you take a life, you know, we saw it with Faith, and we saw it with Buffy when she thought she'd killed Katrina. 
it changes you. Yeah, but I mean, with Willow, I feel like it's also like, like with Buffy and Faith, they're slayers. They're they're they are killers. They're they kill all the time. I don't think killing changed Faith that much, really. But with Willow, she's she's not a natural killer, you know. Uh, I think that's the whole thing that you know she is obviously naturally a powerful witch, but from what we've seen of Willow, this is just kind of the ultimate power corrupts kind of a thing where yeah. she just literally turns to the dark side. So like Buffy killing somebody or Faith killing somebody, that could be an accident in the line of, of duty, but Willow, you know, she has no reason to accidentally kill anybody. You yeah, know? she does it on purpose. Uh, so that whole, like, when she kills him is very effective because it's like so unwillow of her. Uh, but then it's the whole when she decides there's so much suffering in the world that she's going to end the world. That's where they lose me with Dark Willow, where she suddenly decides to end the world. And, oh, what a coincidence. There just happens to be an old ancient pagan temple in, like, Sunnydale, which has everything, including docks and an airport. So, of course, it has in the middle of the desert an old ancient temple that could satanic temple which could help her ruin the world of course uh yeah that's the part where i'm like yeah uh you lost me yellow yellow crayon speech is great but yeah i think that's the thing when you get to the yellow crayon speech that kind of i kind of forgive all of the gubbins running up to that point with the temple and everything and the whole it's i suppose it's 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 become sort of a very typical uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe trope now, where you've got a villain who wants to destroy the world, but it's like, what? what's their reason for doing so? What's their purpose? Oh, no, I just want to destroy the world. Because, <laughs> because no reason. the world. Because there is no reason. I just want to destroy the world. Because and... people are sad, man. <laughs> yeah, so and I think it's, it's kind of become a bit of a, a, a joke that, I mean, not all of Marvel's villains are like that, of course, because, you know, we still have Loki. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, quite a lot of them are like that. And I kind of feel that Dark Willow is kind of the, the not probably where it started, because, you know, villains have had no reason for doing things sort of since the dawn of time. Yeah, for example, but, my favourite, Angelus, also has no reason to want to end the world, which we talked about in the Becoming <laughs> episodes, where I'm very yeah. annoyed that I'm like, why would he want to do this? <laughs> and yet you still think he's the best yes i have a reason for well, that yeah that. no I, 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 I appreciate you have a reason for that but yellow crayon speech is great i think that when she flays warren i just genuinely feel like warren is despicable character and i'm sorry but he deserves his comeuppance <laughs> indeed the way the way he's treated people you know especially women especially katrina vile yeah just just a vile excuse for a human being i'm sorry but he deserves it he deserves to be punished for what he's what he's put people through and sometimes on shows they're very hesitant to to give bad guys the necessary punishment let's not forget warren was a terrible guy you know he was a terrible villain not a terrible villain but he was a terrible person 
And I mean, yeah, he was. Wasn't he was? I'm not sure. I feel I'm. I'm not sure. I feel comfortable saying that he deserves to be played. I do, however, feel like the show put a lot of effort in season six because, like in season five, I don't feel we get as much of this. With like, obviously, he built April and uh, Sex Bot for Spike, um, but. Like, I don't feel we get that same kind of misogynistic vibe in season five of him, except for, yeah, the building women robots. But it's more like he's a geeky loner. Um, But in season six, I feel like they really make him into misogyny personified. So I think that's partly why it feels so good when he's, like, played. Not necessarily because he's a person who has done terrible things, but because he's such an uber misogynist that it's like he's not even a person anymore. Yeah, I don't kind of view him at that point as a human being, if you know what I mean. Mm. I kind of view him as he's just so despicable and I just kind of feel like he just deserves his comeuppance. And at so many times sort of during the show, and, and, and Buffy especially is guilty of letting people go. She has let Spike go so many times. She's let Drusilla go so many times. And, you know, these people are still bad guys. They're still villains. And yet she'll happily just let them wander off. (laughs) Blood on her hands. (laughs) I know. But I just kind of feel like the show couldn't possibly let Warren just wander off. You know, they had to do something with Warren. And I just kind of feel that it's a gruesome end to the character. But, you know, sometimes bad guys have to get their comeuppance. Indeed. Ultimately, I mean, Dark Willow was more of a threat than the Geek Trio. Yeah, she definitely was. And it was more personal, obviously, because it was one of the Scoobies. Yeah, there was a personal thing there. But the Geek Trio were obviously... I think they tried to put, like, a comedic kind of aspect to the Geek Trio that, obviously, you had Warren, who was this kind of wannabe evil lord, and then you had kind of Andrew and Jonathan kind of tagging along... Obviously, Andrew kind of idolised Warren. Slash um, was in love with him. I think it's canon that Andrew is gay now, isn't it? Sorry, spoilers. Um, I think, I think, I think so. it's canon now. Yeah. But obviously, at the time, it wasn't kind of really sort of mentioned in the show whether Andrew was just did idolise Warren or whether he was actually in love with Warren. I think contextually, you'd kind of agree that he was obviously in love with Warren. <laughs> and then sort of Jonathan, who I always kind of felt was a bit out of place in the Geek Trio because we obviously we knew him quite a lot from earlier seasons of Buffy um, just as being kind of the guy in the background uh, for a while and then he got a name and I mean he I will say the one thing I really like about the trio because I'm I'm not super thrilled about them and I get it that it's like the writers are making themselves the villains and oh it's so funny that they're like this comedic relief and Buffy's in such a horrible place that she can't even beat some nerds woohoo this is super fun let's make fun of depression Whee! Um but the thing that's really great about the trio is that they start out very kind of ridiculous and on the same page and they're like doing stupid things like trying to rob stuff and get money or whatever creating like invisibility right exactly like they were doing you know, like like stupid i mean it's kind of like kids stuff in a sense and then like as the season progresses uh 
Warren definitely takes the lead and everything turns a lot darker. And it also causes all this friction in the trio because obviously Andrew idealizes Warren, whereas Jonathan is more like, yeah, I didn't sign up for like murder. Uh, which, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to justify Jonathan because he also does some horrible things, but it just shows that whole, you know, the kind of getting into a crowd and then that crowd moves in a direction that suddenly you're like, wait, I'm not comfortable with this. How do I get out of this? Um, and yeah, uh, so in that sense, I, I like it in that it's this very group pressure this one guy takes the lead and everything turns into a horrible yeah, it, thing. It is kind of also, almost like high school peer pressure isn't yeah. it? when you get in with the wrong crowd at school and yeah, exactly. you are kind of pressured into doing things you might not want to do. Yeah, and that you wouldn't do yeah. on your own, you know. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, I think that the trio is very effective in showing that kind of... Uh, that you get into something and then you're like, oh, shit, I, I don't want this. What is happening? Um, yeah, you know. And ultimately, out of all of the people that Buffy does take on as the big bad, we'll get to Mayor Richard Wilkins in a little bit, but the Geek Trio are 100% human. Yeah. None of the other people that she faces are 100% human. So... The the mayor kind of is, but he kind of isn't. Well, the mayor is definitely not 100% human since he turns well, into a pure demon. Gonna be yeah, a... he turns into a and pure And he's demon, like immortal but... since his wife got like yeah. ancient and died and he didn't. So Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. He obviously, he looks to be 100% human, but he's not. But we'll get to him. We'll get to him. <laughs> because I'm just mindful of, I don't I don't think we should spend too no, long kind we, of we talking about on. the little people. I think we need to, we, we want to kind of talk more about the big people. Yes, let's move. So, so the, obviously the Geek Trio had two votes. The next in the, in the list with six votes. The mayor! The mayor, yeah, who was... He's great. He's in my top three. Cool. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he was menacing, he was charming he's funny he's threatening he's funny um i love his little kind of foibles that he's got about hygiene and respectability and yeah he's he's very engaging to watch and i also really love it Um, that well a because in like season two there's like this little throwaway mention uh, in school hard where uh snyder says something like oh does the mayor know about this or I'll t- tell the mayor or something. So you know that like the higher ups of power in Sunnydale knows that Sunnydale is a little bit off. Uh, so I think that's like great in season three that they have that like the mayor of Sunnydale, like, of course he's a demon, like, or wants to be a demon. Like why else would all this be going on in Sunnydale and nothing's happening? Uh, of course he is also evil. <laughs> Pure evil, of course. Yeah. yeah, but I like that he is pure evil, but he has this way about him that's not friendly, but I don't know, it's just the way the way he talks, that he's got a very kind of genteel manner and, and voice, mm-hmm. and obviously he smiles a lot. Well, he kind well. of reminds uh, you... And it kind of comes through in his voice. I mean, he kind of reminds you of, like... Like some kind of a TV dad in like a 1950s American TV show. Like he's wholesome. 
he's like, oh, eat your milk and cookies and wash your hands and be polite. And he's just constantly with a smile on his face. And if he had recited scripture, you wouldn't react because you would be like, oh, of course he's a God-fearing man. You know, he feels very, yeah, wholesome. Yeah. And I especially like his relationship with faith. Yes. Um, his relationship with faith is, you know... Well, I think that's what took his character really to... interesting. I think yeah. that's what took his character to another dynamic. level. Yeah. There wasn't that dynamic. I don't think that he would be as, perhaps, as beloved as he is. I don't think so either, because then he would just be, like, the bad man in a suit, you know? But now, yeah. when with faith, he becomes kind of a father figure to her, and he, it humanizes him, obviously. Yeah. Um... Because you see that even though he's this big bad guy and he has these big terrible plans, like, he has human affection. Yeah. And I think, you know, he does love Faith. He does see her as this sort of surrogate daughter. And, you know, he does genuinely care. I mean, you know, we see when Faith ends up in the hospital and obviously the mayor realises that Buffy is kind of in the next room. You know, you see his genuine anger at what Buffy has done to essentially his little girl. You know, we talk a lot about the relationship between Buffy and Giles. And I think comparatively, the relationship between the mayor and Faith is is very similar. It's kind of like a mirror image. Really. Yeah, but it's and, like a warped mirror because it's a bit like... Yeah, it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like a circus mirror. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's kind of like the love you have for somebody who's in a cult. You know, like he's the cult leader and she's in a vulnerable place. So she joins the cult and he's like, I love you. You're special to me. Now go kill somebody and I will love yeah. you even more. And she's like, okay, this is what I have to do to get his love. I will. So it's very much like kind of a cold thing <laughs> but yeah I mean I didn't say it was like a pure and innocent <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a genuine affection from both sides and I think faith needs that guidance and love and I think you know in return that the mayor kind of needs that from faith as well to be depended on and well, I think it works uh, also, it's a very mutually I think it works also because it also humanizes faith in a sense because it shows how yeah. how incredibly vulnerable and lonely she is to like fall for him uh obviously mm-hmm. uh so I think it works that that relationship is very symbiotic and works very well for both characters and you can see that this love is a really twisted and disturbing kind of a love, but that it's genuine and you can understand it. And then you can especially like understand why Faith would like mourn it because this is like a father to her uh, because he is very, very sweet and affectionate with her and genuinely caring with her. Um, so yeah, I think that that whole relationship really makes both of them. I do feel a little bit like, the mayor is great as the mayor. It's not um, the giant When he snake. turns into the big snake. <laughs> I just kind of feel like... They need to stop it with the giant snakes. <laughs> they love snakes, don't they? It's like every if every bad guy could turn into a snake, would you love Angelus if he turned into a snake? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to start writing the fan fiction right now and I'll send it to you. Um... I was just having a quick look on the boards to see if anyone specifically said anything about the mayor, because he did get six votes. Price has mentioned that the mayor is her favourite. She said, I expect the mayor to win, but then she voted for the trio. Hmm. SK73 said, I've always loved the mayor. He's such a nice guy and yet so incredibly evil when it comes down to it. 
Um, I also believe that he genuinely considers himself to be a nice guy, and that makes him scary to me. Which I suppose is, is interesting, because they always say that the villains are just the good guys of their own story. Yeah. So he genuinely thinks that what he's doing by turning himself into this big giant snake demon is the right thing to do. And so genuinely thinks that he's the good guy. Yeah, I would you know? say that he definitely genuinely thinks he's the good guy, but where he loses me is the giant snake demon thing. Because I'm yeah. not sure how that could be the good part in any story, really. But, yeah. On the boards, Mr. Trick. Not the Mr. Trick. Not the mayor's Mr. Trick. The other Well, Mr. obviously the, the mayor's Mr. Trick. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Basically said it's, it's the mayor for me to love the slow burn plot and how it all built to graduation. Just talking of graduation, I think that that, that two-part uh, graduation day, I still think it's... I just love those episodes. I think they are fantastic when the whole school band together to fight all of the vampires that are coming and I think it's it's great to kind of see everyone come together like that and fight yeah, and that's a great uh, great scene. Yeah. It's just a shame about the snake. Yeah, it's a shame <laughs> about the snake. Uh, I mean it makes for a very efficient yay, we blew up the school kind of a thing. Uh school's out forever. Um but yeah, the giant snake is just like mm. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so we should probably move on since um, we are starting to take away on the clock. Just because you've got somewhere to be. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, you think she could dedicate a little bit of time. She's on vacation right now, you know, and she couldn't even dedicate more time to the most important faction of yeah, her life. Well, I to mean, be fair, we would have had more awesome. time if we didn't waffle on about stuff before the podcast. <laughs> Actually, we hardly had any waffle today because you were like, um, clock, clock, I, do, you, do you realise I need to go soon, yeah? yeah? Hurry up, hurry up. Let's get recording, let's get recording. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let's at least have a discussion about Beyonce or <laughs> Sweet Valley High before we start. But oh no, she was like, no, yeah. no, no, go, 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 Yeah, go, go. Athena, <laughs> Athena is all about the podcast foreplay. And I'm like, dude, we've been in this for over a year. We're in, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's enough about our <laughs> private life. We're going to move on to the sweaty, naughty feelings causing one herself. Woohoo! Glorifica. The Glorifica. Oh, God. Yeah, um, I can't tell you how much I love Glory. She's um in my top five. <laughs> she's at the <laughs> bottom of said top five. <laughs> I will fully admit right now, I voted for Glory because... I think she's great fun. I think that she actually is uh, a worthy villain for Buffy. She essentially causes Buffy to die. Essentially being the... Well, okay, she doesn't kill Buffy. And I do have issues with the whole glory is Ben, Ben is glory stuff. I don't like Ben. I'm going to be honest, I really don't like that. That's actually one of the things but, I do like about it. <laughs> oh, what? You always have to disagree with me. You always have to disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, don't get me wrong, Glory has problems. I mean, literally has problems. I mean, I, I won't disagree <laughs> that she's fun. I think she's fun too. My problem is that it's like 20 episodes of Glory going, give me the key, I'm so bad. You should totally give me the key. Why don't you give me the key? You could give me the key because I'm so bad and I could kill you because you should give me the key. 
and I'm so bad, and I should kill you, but I won't. I mean, that's like literally 20 episodes of that, and... Did you just take that from, like, the quote page <laughs> on Buffy Wikia? <laughs> yes, that's the summary of that season. But, beyond, I mean, I just wish that they would have made her do more things. Like, it's generally yeah. horrifying when she brain sucks Tara, but that's also really late in the season. And when she finally kidnaps Dawn, it's uh, because she lucked into it. Like, she, again, she's literally a stupider, like, big bad than Adam. I mean, being a god is clearly not the same as having brains in this universe. Because she just sits there with her fancy <laughs> outfit and goes like, TikTok, time's running out. Minions, do something for me. I just feel like there's nothing menacing about her. Uh, which is disappointing, because when she first comes into the season, obviously, she kicks Buffy's ass. And you're like, whoa, what's happening? Uh, nobody's ever been able to do that before, and that's truly scary. But then she's just like... Then she's basically the crazy woman in the attic. Like, she's just locked yeah, in her attic, yeah. and she's talking to herself <laughs> in her clothes. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to disagree with you that glory is inconsistent. <laughs> the level of glory's power does change throughout the season. Like, one minute, she's kicking Buffy's butt. And the next minute, Buffy is kicking her butt completely. And there is no kind of consistency with her power and what she can do, like... In one episode, she can run really fast, and then it's never kind of seen again. Um, and, yeah, there's... Look, she's not a perfect villain. But, as far <laughs> as big bads go, she, she's she got style, she's got grace. I'm going to say... Uh, she looks great in red, she's got killer heels... I'm going to say I think one that, more bad thing before I say a good thing, and I think that okay. one more bad thing is that they use with both Glory and with the first is that in an attempt to kind of make them menacing, both of them play a round of kick the spike, which is that they kidnap Spike and they torture Spike, which is not threatening because as everybody knows, Spike is a vampire and has super healing just like Buffy. So he's like the least threatening character you could kidnap and torture. But they use that... As, you know, because I remember, uh, like, reading that Joss in the earlier season was, like, for example, in season three, uh, Faith kind of kidnaps Willow. And it's because he's like, oh, he knew that it was always an emotional gut punch for the viewer to be like, no, not Willow, don't hurt Willow. Uh, so they would always use Willow for that. And by now, in the later seasons, they've obviously started using Spike for that. <laughs> but it's like... It's so unthreatening because, again, like, he's a super being, so just him being tortured is totally gratuitous because we know that he's not going to die. So it would have been better if they would have taken somebody like Sander or somebody who might have actually been tortured to some actual harm. Yeah, but I suppose you could argue that glory torturing Spike is something that Spike can take, like you say. And also, yeah, it's just, thinking of it that it's way... You know, Xander probably wouldn't survive, but also, wouldn't she just want to suck his brains out? Because yeah, but then that would have been more emotionally resonant for the viewer. It would have been an actual threat, but them just like, oh, well, we don't know what to do. Uh, oh, just have them kidnap Spike. Just put, that, put him in chains and take off his shirt. They'll eat it up. They'll love it. <laughs> Even if there's blood yeah, there, people yeah. will love it. Uh, yeah, just have yeah. him bleed a little, give him a black <laughs> eye, but just shirt off. Uh they they won't care about plot as long as 
Spike's shirt is off. I just feel like it's a bit uh, insulting yeah, that it's just like, yeah, it's just like, oh, what can we do? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's torture Spike. <laughs> yeah, but also, if you think about it, logically, who's more likely to crack and give up information? Is it going to be one of Buffy's closest friends? Are you friends, seriously? Or is it going to be the vampire who they kind of don't really get on? Well, it's going to be Spike. Spike is is the person who's going to give up that information. Well, obviously not, because he never think? does. And why would she think that? Because she, they bring her Spike because they think he's the key. That she, that he's the most treasured one. So she doesn't think that at all. That he would give it up. Yeah, anyway, I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say the, the positive <laughs> thing now about Glory and that is I think that she's so popular also in the same one that Angelus is and it's because both of these villains are the ones to make it personal because obviously Angelus it's all the heartbreak and Angel blah 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 uh and with Glory it's Dawn. So it's very personal for Buffy and it makes it very emotionally resonant for the viewer when the lead character is so invested in the threat. And I know that Glory isn't the cause of Buffy's death. Well, not, not she's indirectly the, the cause of Buffy's death. But the gift is still such a, an outstanding episode of television that I, kind, I just feel that without someone like Glory to kind of build up, and I know... She is very, give me my key, I want my key, who's my key, you know, etc. All of the stuff you said earlier, that, it is what she, that, that is what she is, along with, you know, the sucking out of brains and making people go mental and stuff like that. I just think that she is a genuine threat to Buffy personally, like you said. And the fact that Dawn, at that point, is the only family that Buffy has. Buffy will literally do anything to keep Dawn safe and to stop Glory from ending the world. Uh, and she does. She makes the ultimate sacrifice. Which makes and... no sense, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love Glory. I think Glory is great. But I mean, I, I, love the... I, I like the Ben and Glory thing because it's the only thing that excuses how pathetically impotent Glory is. Because at least she spends half her time as a dude who's trying to be a doctor. Yeah, but the whole sort of Ben and Glory thing, I understand that she needs a vessel or something but so much is not explained about hey, it's, Ben and Glory. It's Glory better and... than a snake demon. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally anything's better than a snake demon. It also but... gives us one of the best lines of the show when Spike goes, is everyone here very stoned? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the whole, the fact that no one, so, okay, so you're, you're standing there and you're talking to Ben. And then Glory's there. Magic I, thingamahoo. I just don't get it. But I don't get it. Like, so you were just talking to Ben. I'm, I know I'm looking. I'm sounding like Spike now. Like, is everyone really stoned? But you were just talking to Ben about a conversation, and now Gloria's standing in front of you. But you don't remember that Ben was there, and vice versa. I think it's worse. I think the vice there. versa is what? way worse. Because imagine being Ben, growing up, and you're in high school, and suddenly you're somewhere, and you're Ben again. Uh, after a period of blackout, and you're wearing, like, a sequin silk dress, and people are like, dude, why are you wearing the dress? And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's my hell god alter ego, who's a total bitch. <laughs> she likes to wear that kind of stuff. That would be so embarrassing. <laughs> but how does that how does that work? Like, because... because you Magic! Know, you know, they, they say, no, I know, but I need to know, because it just winds me up. So, 
Glory has been part of Ben since he was born because they say that they needed like a human Yeah, child which means that basically for... it, she was outed like what, 25 years ago from hell? Because he can't yeah. be more than 25. I don't, I don't know how long it takes for, um, you know, in America for someone to become a doctor of his level because presumably he's, I, it doesn't doesn't specify what sort of doctor he is, but he's a doctor in a hospital. Oh, I thought he was so, a medical student. Did they say? I don't know. Let's let's not dwell uh, on that. He he's basically twenty five, okay. thirty. He's not forty at least, and he's definitely not a hundred. No. It wasn't like a hundred years ago it happened. Um, okay, so so Ben, so Mister and Mrs. Whatever Ben's name is, I don't remember. Mister and Mrs. Ben had a son called Ben. And he was a baby. And then... Or... What? This this girl baby just appears randomly? Or, oh. actually, now that I think what? about it, I suppose it's more like Glory was, like, kicked out of hell, like, what, a year ago? Um, right when... Or she must have been kicked out of hell right around the time that Dawn was created, because otherwise Dawn wouldn't have been created after that. Dawn is created in season five, so Ben and Glory must have been merged... Like, he must have been an adult when he merged with her. No, I'm pretty sure they say that he, they took an infant But in that case, why has it taken, like, 30 years for them to create Dawn? Why did the key appear all of a sudden? Why wasn't the key around all the time? Was it because he wasn't, (laughs) was it because Glory, like, was, was Glory a girl baby and couldn't look for the key? I mean, obviously, she's an adult baby and can't look for the key, so I guess maybe they thought that it wasn't necessary before that. What's but an adult baby? Well, she is. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're getting too stuck know, in this, in the, in the workings yeah, of Ben and Glory. <laughs> yeah, but I, I get very wound up with the whole Ben stuff. I get that he's a means to an end, and ultimately, without Ben, with, without ben there's no glory. So Ben is, to coin a phrase, the key to ending glory. And the scene with Giles and Ben... Also, I think that the Ben thing makes the glory taking Dawn much more... I mean, it makes it much worse because obviously they're kind of safe because they've run away. uh, And then Buffy calls Ben. So she is the bringer of her own destruction because without her, Ben wouldn't have been there. So it yeah, makes it more heartbreaking. Had, but if Ben had any any sort of conscience, as soon as he knew that he knew who the key was, he should have got out of there. He should have been living in Timbuktu or something. Why? Why should Ben have a conscience about Dawn? He wants his own life. Why should he care about Dawn? No, but he should have a conscience about Glory. He knows what Glory is. Yes, wants. exactly. He knows what Glory's after. And then she, so why is he enabling because Glory? Because she'll reward him. Maybe. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. This is, this is one of the time, the whole Ben, Ben versus Glory debate. Glory's fantastic. Let's just move on. Ben's crap. Glory's great. Glory. Uh, uh, Glory's got great Glory, hair. Glory. She's got a nice closet. But, uh, what is it? Spike says to her about her ass. She's got a lopsided ass. Either way. <laughs> something like that. She's, uh, she's a big baby. <laughs> I think she's just played to perfection. I think Claire Kramer's great. I think she, it's a very scenery-chewing performance. And, yeah, I think that she completely hams it up, and I think she's wonderful. And on the boards, actually, Smile Time did <laughs> did um, profess that I would uh, fangirl all over Glory. 
So, absolutely correct. I did find And I think Mr. Trick they predicted did. that I would shit all over your fangirling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know that Taki isn't the biggest fan. <laughs> so, anyway, let's move on to the main event because there was only one villain who won the best big bad poll and we all know who it's it is. It's Angelus. Uh, is it? No, it's <laughs> yes. I kind of admit, when I started the poll, I genuinely had him in mind for winning. Obviously, I have no say over who wins because it's whoever votes, but I guess he's quite legendary, really. Whenever you think of a Buffy Big Bad, you automatically think Well, I think it's because, you know, it was extremely personal. And it's that heartbreaking moment where Buffy has to kill somebody she loves. Like, that's, you know, she literally has to kill somebody she loves. That's hard for a teenage girl. Um, and it's just the whole, yeah, it's the whole emotional gut punch that is him being all, you know, to kill this girl, you have to love her. Uh, and he's all, yeah. And then he kills, like, Teresa, whom she knows, and he kills Jenny Callender. So he shows himself to be a real threat. Like, he's always left the school at one point, and he grabs Willow, and you're like, oh, my God, no, don't hurt Willow. You can understand that Buffy's feeling that at that moment uh, because he shows that he is just a completely different person from uh, who she thought he was. He's sadistic, and he's cruel, and, and he's calculated. I think that's and- very effective in the sense that it plays on our nightmares that you know you don't know yeah. who to trust uh, and that somebody you know just the idea that somebody you love could completely turn on you like obviously even if they didn't turn out to be a serial killer um, that would be very emotionally scarring uh, so the fact yeah. that that and yeah think, sorry you know obviously I've never been a teenage boy so I've never <laughs> been a teenage boy but I think you know when you are a, a, a you know a young woman and maybe you are entering into a relationship with someone, there is that ultimate fear that, oh, maybe if I lose my virginity to this guy, maybe he won't, you know, maybe he just wanted me for one thing, Mm. you know, maybe he will not be the same person afterwards. And it plays on that fear quite spectacularly because he literally isn't the same person after Buffy loses her virginity to him. And he's just so cruel. And I think it's Um, also that he takes such delight in being cruel that he's just like very... Because he has kind of the gleefulness of the mayor about his cruelty. Uh, But he's also very proactive in the sense that he, you know, he kills people, then he kidnaps Giles, you know, that horrible scene when he has Giles tortured. When he has him kidnapped, then he like tricks Buffy to go fight him and then he's like you fall for it every time because <laughs> he knows how to play her uh, and then when yeah. she comes back to the library and it's like her friends are hurt Willow's in a coma Sanders had his wrist broken Giles is taken Kendra is dead it's just it's all just very very efficient and threatening you know uh, yeah. and it gets to that you know where Buffy's all alone moment which is obviously an amazing scene so i think it's i I totally understand why a lot of people vote for angelus as a villain because they just play like they just play the whole stack of cards they just throw everything at you like people are dying uh lovers are turning it's just everything is horrible and it's spiraling fast (laughs) 
<laughs> and I also think as well that I, I always kind of question David Boreanaz's acting skills, especially kind of in the first season. I was always a bit like, terrible. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not terrible. really sure that this guy <laughs> is right for this role. And then when we get into season two and he's a little bit better and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, he's kind of getting better. And then as soon as he switches into yeah, he's Andrew, so much better at that. <laughs> I, he just takes this role and he runs with it. And he's brilliant. And he's got this passion and fire in his eyes of being this kind of evil, sadistic yeah. And it's, and really, it's like, it's, it's so I think there are so many things to, that sticks in your head with him. Like, for example, like when he places dead Jenny on Giles's bed. I mean, just the cruel... Oh, of that yeah. and like p- placing yeah. like rose petals like tricking him that it's going to be like a, I mean just yeah just the sheer malice of the psychological like this is psychological torture done right yeah. you know yeah this is this is how you do psychological torture the first evil needs to learn to exactly really. <laughs> he needs to know who to get on his team uh, but... <laughs> he needs to go to Andalus school <laughs> uh, but yeah so yeah. I, I, I it's a masterclass. It, it is, and it's just uh, it's very good TV to watch, uh, simply speaking. But I think uh, yeah. I, do, I do think that you know, to be fair to the other villains, obviously uh, Angelus also has like half a season to play, because obviously he doesn't start out as a new, he's not there the whole season. Like at first, it's obviously Spike and Drusilla who are, and like the judge yeah. and stuff who are the villains. So, you know, they can afford to kind of like build it up slowly and then have the turn. And that's what makes it so efficient. Uh, Cause yeah. the, then he's not just talking about being able for like 20 episodes, which might've been uh, a lot for him too. Uh, although he's not just talking about it. He's actually doing things, but either way, like, cause you start out with this spike and Drusilla who are also quite menacing and frightening and doing things and uh then it just everything gets worse it's the emotional connection that you know buffy is obviously this emotional connection with angel is growing so much you know she is falling in love with this guy uh so much so that she decides that she wants to take it to the next step with him and the fact that it plays so heavily on the emotional connection that's been building i just think no other season can do that. No other season can have a villain that is so emotionally connected. Well, to they the possibly could have if they would have done some better writing with, for example, Glory. Because, um, again, <laughs> Dawn, very emotional, um, very connected. But, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's a different kind of love, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly you know, it is. The, the love that she certainly has. Certainly it angel. is. But, I mean, if you do writing right i think that they could have played that up even more because that's essentially a parent's love for a child so if they would have spent some more time on making that make sense and having it less be like the witch in the castle going give me my key i'll get you and your little dog too then it might have been better that's a good example. But with Angela, obviously, yeah, it's I all know. about the emotion. It's obviously not about the plan because it makes no sense that he wants to end the world. Why would he want that? Uh, Spike no. obviously <laughs> has right idea. The other, like, why would the vampires want hell on earth? Because they would be on like the bottom of that hierarchy. Like, they would be on the bottom of the pecking order. Like, why? Yeah. So it's obviously not yeah. the plan. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> No, it's, it's the whole kind of 
Marvel villain excuse yeah. again as the reason for wanting the world to end. And we mentioned that in the the episode that we did about becoming. Uh, we talked quite a lot in depth on how Angelus's ideas for ending the world were yeah. pretty daft. Although, uh, but everything kind of building up to that, I think, is, is pretty outstanding. Yeah, and him wanting to end the world does give us uh, another great spike line when he goes like, oh, yeah, uh, no, that's actually earlier. Sorry, I confused that. That's when Spike that's when Spike <laughs> and Drusilla wants to end the world, and Angela says that he wants to kill Buffy. And Spike goes, well, she's in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was the, the list of... Best big bad, and the best big bad was yeah. in the end. In the end. So, which yeah. is my uh, I, I I am actually torn between him and the mayor, but because my top three is like Angelus, the mayor, and the master. Um, okay. But Angelus usually tips it out, and I think that is because yeah, it's the whole psychological terror thing. If I had a top three, it would probably be Glory, Angelus, and the mayor. And yeah, for me. Um, Glory is number five after Adam. <laughs> well, you know, I think, he has that, a brain. I think that's completely uncalled for, I have to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, she's just good fun. She's just good, sort of campy fun. And also, I do, just go back to Glory, I like that, you know, she's a woman and, you know, you've got a bit of girl on girl action. So she's, she's the only, yeah, she's great. kind of the only. Well, no, I guess Maggie Walsh and Drusilla are female villains too, but they're never the main guy. Well, I mean, Dark Willow. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I keep forgetting yeah. about Dark Willow. Oh, my God. <laughs> but she only got one vote, so that's probably the reason why you keep forgetting. And also, like you say, she's only in the last kind of few episodes of the season anyway. So, whereas Glory is pretty consistently throughout season five having a woman as as the main big bad in a show with a female protagonist i think is, is does good. this mean that you just you like know? watching hot chicks beat on each other oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't you're, 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 <laughs> literally everyone is ready basically right you're now. just sitting there watching buffy going like god i wish this was wrestling <laughs> Well, I have been watching Glow, and I do. I am pretty keen on the lady <laughs> now. It's good fun to watch. I, I know that you're quite short on time, so I'm assuming that you have to leave us. I do. Also, because they yeah. need their restroom. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I don't think you need to be careful for that. I mean, you could have just like just said, "Oh, yes, I need to go," and then sort of mentioned to me after I stopped recording that you needed the. Why? Because we have such but... fancy listeners, and also it's not like I. I said the restroom. Who knows? Like maybe it's not like you said. What maybe you in Sweden doing. we have like an official room of rest where you just lay down on the couch and take a little snooze. Oh, oh, so that so basically what you're telling us is that you don't want to record the podcast anymore because you want to have. <laughs> yes, that and also I have to go out okay. and meet somebody. But I'm, I'm okay. plotting world destruction. Well, uh, I probably shouldn't tell you on the podcast, but our plan is totes going to make sense. Which big bad are you <laughs> Loki, obviously. No! <laughs> he's mine, I keep telling you. Stop, stop stealing my I'm not going to stop stealing your people. He's hanging around here in the north. He's from our mythology, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I thought you said you were outside my house. <laughs> Did you die in Well, maybe I can. Who is outside my house then? With the maybe I can transport myself. <laughs> and yeah, you should probably call the police. No. <laughs> 
and dialing them right now. Uh, okay, well, I guess we'll have to kind of abruptly put an end to this episode because Taki's leaving us. Because we and, talk too much. Know, all of that. She's, yeah, and and we talk too much, and and I'm very sorry that I spent like two minutes trying to have a discussion with you before we started. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes. This was more like twenty. <laughs> Well, to be fair, that's better than it normally is. It's normally like an hour. That's true. <laughs> you have no okay. idea how much so... we watch talk radio, really. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so we will leave it here, and we will be back next month with another riveting episode. I can't remember what it's going to be, but I'm sure that we will discuss it and decide on what we're going to do. But otherwise... Obviously, follow us on Instagram. We are at Once More With Podcast. And follow us on Buffy Boards. And join up if you haven't, because it's a great community. And that's all I wanted to say. Goodbye, Taki. <laughs> <Bye. laughs> Bye. <laughs>